You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldweg, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah Peshem Israel, 5782, 2021. This week's Parsha is Parsha and our Parsha begins with the messengers that Yaakov sends. Jacob sends his brother Esav, in order to appease him, in order to... If there's any blood, if there's any bad blood still going on between them, 20 years have passed since he stole the blessings, and he's married and had many children. He sends these messengers, and the Medrash tells us, and I'm going to actually skip to the end of the Medrash and then come back. The Medrash says over and over again a few different ways of saying it. We'll see how many of them we'll read. But, Amr Le'akadosh Baruch Hu, God says, to Yaakov, Avinu, as it were, Esav was minding his own business. And as one of the Mephoshim explains, Yaakov had already received word that that Esav no longer is angry. So it wasn't necessary for him to send anything, to send any messengers, to send any kind of appeasement offers. Yaakov, Avinu, he should have just left it. She should have just left things as they were, perhaps arrived, and not been worried. Hashem says to him, if you would have just left it, you wouldn't. nothing would have happened. But now, because of the fact that you, so to speak, woke up the devil, things are going to look bad. Things are going to look troublesome. So that's the language of the Medrash. And leading up to this piece, leading up to the statement of the Medrash, the Medrash goes through very interesting and deep uh, discussion. In explaining this idea, Reb Pinchas, in the name of Reb Ruvain, opened up the matter and he said as follows, King David says, and this is a verse in Tehillim, in Psalms, he brings five different verses, where, where David HaMelech says, God asks, I'm sorry, David HaMelech asks of God, to act, to get up, to, to start moving. Instead of being in a state where we don't clearly see that Hashem is acting, David HaMelech is asking for action, asking for help. David HaMelech asks that Hashem help him, that he take care of the wicked person who's trying to hurt him. Rav Pinchas says that there are five times in the book of Psalms, or as the, some of them unfortunately explain in the first book of Psalms, that King David says to God to get up. The first is, he says, Please get up, Hashem. Save me, my God. Get up in your anger. Get up, Hashem. God, raise up your hand. Don't forget. Get up, O Hashem. Don't allow man to have brazenness. Kum Hashem kadma fanov. And we have this verse that we already quoted. Get up, Hashem, and come before. So, first, it's interesting because the, the Medrash says the same verse twice, which indicates that first we're applying it to Yaakov Avinu. That there's an aspect of kadma fanov, that there's an aspect of Yaakov Avinu himself somehow, perhaps it's referenced to later, in the part where he says, Please save me from my brother Esav. But there's a request. David HaMelech is requesting, Yaakov Avinu is requesting, that God help him, 
that God take action. So now, back to King David. Hashem says to him as follows, David bini, David, my dear son, even if you ask me to act, if you ask me to get up, so to speak, many times, many more than five times, I won't get up. That's not what motivates me, so to speak, Hashem says, to take action. When do I take action? When do I get up? When do I appear, so to speak, to save the day for whoever's calling out to me? When you see that there are poor people who are being stolen from, great injustice, when Hashem sees great injustice, God acts. You see poor people who are crying out for help, that's when you know I'm going to act. That's what the verse means when it says, The verse continues, it speaks of the fact that God is going to get up. From the fact that He hears that a poor person is being stolen from, that the poor person is calling out for help. Rav Shem Bar says a slightly different idea. God said to King David, You want me to get up now? I'm covered with dust, as it were. God is saying, to King David, you want me to get up, but right now I'm covered in dust. We obviously need to know what it means that God is covered in dust. When the verse, which is in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 2, when that day comes, that's when I'll get up. It says, he says, Get up from the dust, or shake off the dust. Kumi, he uses the language of getting up. Kumi shivi Get up, oh, those who were captured in Jerusalem. Right, the Jewish people were sent out into exile. When does Hashem get up? When does Hashem get up? And what it means when Hashem gets up is it means that He shows Himself. It means that He, he shows Himself, He saves somebody who is asking for help. He's He's going to save the Jewish people, but at which point? And speaking about the Mashiach, when the Messiah arrives, all of the world, all of flesh will be silent. Why? Because Hashem has woken up, so to speak, where He's shaken off the dust from the place of His holiness. And there's a shaking off of the dust. The dust covers. You know, I've been going out, you might, have been, you might have seen, you might have been watching, might be talking podcasts. I've gone out to the field and I've gone out to the wooded areas near my home in Beit Shemesh. And we've been in a dust storm over the last few days. And the dust and the dirt covers things. You want to see this ancient ruins or an ancient building or, or old caves or whatever, but it's covered in dust. It's covered. The dust covers things and makes it hard to see. Kodesh Baruch Hu, as it were, is there. He's doing everything, but he's covered in dust. You don't see. Or it could also indicate that something is very old. right? Dust collects on old things. It seems like, as it were, Kibiyach HaShem is very old. He's not taking action. But we have to shake off the dust. And when does the shaking off of the dust occur? When does God get up, as it were? When does He show Himself? When does He 
prove that he's there. Two different opinions. One is that he does it, he's aroused, he's awakened, when there's a poor person who desperately needs help, who's been stolen from, who's crying out for help. Second opinion is, there's a set time, there's a moment in history that Hashem reveals Himself and shakes off the dust. But it's not before that. Rav Acha says it's like a chicken that it gets up from the from the dust of the earth and it shakes itself off. I'm not exactly sure what that was that's coming to add. Kadma Fanov, we said that the verse tells us David Amel says, Kuma Hashem Kadma Fanov, get up Hashem and come in front of him. What does it mean come in front of him? The person is wicked. The person has done things wrong. The person that we're speaking about here, he's referring to Esav HaRasha. He's going to be someone who, throughout his life and throughout the history of his people, is going to cause great destruction, great evil will be brought about by him. Don't wait until he's wrought all that evil. Take care of him now. Take him out now. Push him over to the side of Chayva. He might not yet be guilty, but he's going to be guilty. He might not yet be guilty enough. Send him over the edge. Break him. So this is all words in this verse. Break him. Or it's another explanation of Hachrieu. Break him. The verse says, "Hema karuv They will fall, they will trip. Bimachnia him, humble him, humble Esav. Palta nafshi mi rasha charbecha. Palta nafshi mi se rasha shu bami koycha shal Esav acherav shenem rav al charbecha tichia. Yaakov Avinu, he was praying. David Hamelech reflected that prayer. He was saying, Hashem. Destroy him. Destroy that wicked person who comes with the power of a sword. The verse says, You shall live by your sword. So the What is the sword? It's the sword that's a reference to Esau because he's the one who lives by the sword. Destroy him. It's the prayer. Another possible explanation is destroy the one who is the sword. Esav is somebody that Hashem uses in order to punish the Jewish people when we've done something wrong. Destroy that sword. It reminds me of the Gemara in Sukkah, which refers to the fact that the Yetzirah, ultimately the evil inclination, is going to be destroyed when Mashiach, when the Messiah arrives. Bring that time, bring that end. Save me from that wicked person who is going to fall by your sword in the end. It's a reference, reference also in Isaiah chapter 34 to the fact that there's a sword which is waiting to destroy, a spiritual sword that's waiting to destroy Esau and his cohorts, all of the wicked ones. So Yaakov Avinu is praying and praying and it's so important, I, I know I read a lot, and sometimes when you read inside, it's, it may not be as interesting, but there's so much, there's such a lengthy prayer, 
And David HaMelech reflects that prayer, and Jacob himself is praying for the destruction of his brother Esau. And here's where we come back to what, we, what I read to you in the beginning. Shem says to him, Yaakov is praying and praying and praying, save me, save me, save me. Hashem says to him, oh, hold on a second. He was just going on his way. He was just minding his own business. Why did you even let him know that you're there? Why did you say anything? You aroused him. You aroused his anger. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to say anything and you wouldn't have to be praying now. So in essence, Hashem is saying to Yaakov Avinu, you should have been quiet. You shouldn't have said anything. And you would have been fine. That's the first piece of the Medrash. And the second piece of the Medrash actually really really brings this out really clearly. It says like this, Excuse me, he brings the Pasuk in Mishlei, Per Chafei, Pasuk Chafav, that talks about a, a Mayan, which is a, a spring, near Pas, we'll see what that means shortly, Makor Mashchas, a source, a water source, which is Mashchas, which also we'll see. I'm going to read Simen, Kishem She'iyev Shalomayon Laherofes, Lumakor Lahashchis, if you have a a water a waterfall, you have the the Niagara Falls, okay, you have the Banyas, whatever it is, you have a source of water, and the water is coming and it's coming. You, you can't it can't get ruined, you can't ruin it. It's something that's coming from the from the depths of the earth. It's very powerful, you can't get ruined. Kach says the Medrash, a person who is righteous has automatic protection. Nothing can touch him. A wicked person has power, but that power is false power. He's grabbed the power, but it's perhaps momentary. Think about Hitler. He was somebody who had power, he had grabbed the power. But of course, evil destroys itself. So the, the tzaddik, and of course we have to know how this applies, there are many kashas, many questions we could ask, but the nat- in the natural order, the way that God created the world, the way that things are set up, a person who is righteous cannot be touched by someone who is wicked. It's not possible. Just like something that's the source of water can't be destroyed, can't be ruined. So too, the tzaddik who is attached to the source of life, to the source of goodness, to the source of all power, which is Hashem, can't be touched by somebody who's trying to grab that power. When can it happen? When can the tzaddik be affected by a rasha, by a wicked person? The Medrash answers the question as we saw before. When he bows down, when he's machnia himself, when he, when he shows that he is subservient to the rasha, he gives up his power. Instead of standing strong, in his belief and his faith and his knowledge of doing what's right, when the tzaddik bows, he's machnia himself to the rasha, to the wicked one, it's a recipe for disaster. And the ACS points out, and this is actually in the previous piece where we said this exact line, the line again was, 
which we quoted at the very beginning, God says to him, he was going on his way, why did you interrupt him? He was good, you were good, don't mess, you're, you have power, you're protected, you don't need to say anything. I want to read to you the Yosef. Esav was going on his way. He had no plans to start up with Yaakov at all. What happens? Yaakov said, Hey, hey, Esav! Hey, Esav! He's sending him messengers in a subservient way. This is what your servant Jacob says. That's the language. This is what your servant Jacob says. Oh, you, you're subservient to me? I'm going to get you. That's how Esav thinks. It's also a very common way of thinking here in the Middle East. In our world, you know, if you show any kind of subservience, if you show any kind of giving in, so then you're weak. That's how, the, that's how they see you. So Hashem didn't answer him in his prayer. Until he had no choice but to make himself very subservient. He had to really bow down all the way to Esav because he bowed down to begin with. And he was punished physically and in his wealth. As we'll say later on. And here's the sad, sad result. It was for this reason that he and his children were obligated to end up in exile. And we today are still in exile. Why are there Jews in America? Why am I speaking to you in English? Because Yaakov Avinu was machnia himself. He made himself subservient to Edom, to the West. I'm speaking in their language. I'm subservient to the West. Because he accepted upon himself the adnus, the, the master the fact that Esau would be his master. Such an important lesson here. Such an important lesson here. To the degree that we allow ourselves to be subservient to the culture around us, to Esau, to the degree that a Jewish leader, the leader of the land of Israel, makes himself subservient to an American leader, a European leader, whoever it is. This is the result. The result is exile. The result is disconnect from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Who are we naturally? Who are we naturally? We are the children of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu naturally was somebody who was connected to the Mayon, to the source, to the, to the source of life, to Hashem, to God. There was no need to be afraid of Esau. He, he, had, he was the master of Bitochen Yaakov, but here he, he missed it. He wasn't able to hold up the Bitochen in this particular instance. If he couldn't hold on to that faith, since he couldn't hold on to that faith, the result was that he had to pray. And Hashem responds and says, I'm not going to get up. I can't get up and help you. It's, it's going to be a later time. It's going to be when Mashiach, when the Messiah arrives, somebody who's able indeed to stand up to the nations of the world. Who has that real tzitkus, that righteousness, which Yaakov himself had, but he didn't. He didn't recognize that not having self-confidence in a certain sense, not having the confidence in Hashem and in Himself, keeping Himself connected to Hashem, keeping Himself mukhna, subservient to only one, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to God. 
That was the only way that he could be saved. That was the only way that he could be protected. He would have been fine if he didn't say a word. And this is a big clause, a big, a very deep and important principle when it comes to be talking, when it comes to having faith in God. Because it's very possible that because I'm afraid, because I let go of my ironclad faith, because of that, it can cause, and they speak about this in this forum on Bitochen, if I'm afraid, if I allow my heart to be fearful, it can cause the thing, the very thing that I fear to occur. Yaakov Avinu is being told here by HaKadosh Baruch by Hashem, you need not fear. You don't have to fear in the first place. You don't have to pray to me. You don't have to ask for anything if you're not afraid in the first place. So it's a very powerful idea, and it's, we've been speaking about it in the Bitochen podcast as well. But the foundational idea here is that a tzaddik, a balbitachan, a person who's attached to God as the source of his life, as the source of all that he needs, need not be afraid. Need not be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no reason to have fear. And to the extent that we can develop this ability, so then the the need to call out in prayer is not as much. Of course, we want to call out in prayer. We want to call out in prayer. Why? Because we realize we've become detached from God. So we need to reattach ourselves to God. But if we're attached all along, then it becomes less necessary. And that's the idea of what the Medrash is saying. And I want to bless you and ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us that we should indeed be able to recognize the goodness that we have, we are doing, the tzidkus that we have. We should try to develop more tzidkus, more righteousness, which really means more subservience to God's will. And to the extent that we make ourselves subservient to Hashem, we stay strong in our subservience to Him and don't allow ourselves to be subservient to anyone else, to any kind of other culture except for the terrorist culture, to that extent we can be assured that all will be well and that there's nothing to fear. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.